What are you laughing it's about? It's just the metronome every time. It, you don't like the metronome? No, it's just that you forget to turn it off every and time. And one, two, three, <laughs> and four. Hey, welcome to the Dead Elephants podcast featuring Duncan and Chris. Looks like it's time to tackle another elephant in the room. Dead Elephants podcast. <laughs> okay. I'm not looking forward to this episode. I know you're not. But I am looking forward to this sharing question. Mm. So, uh, most embarrassing fashion trend that you used to rock. Does it have to be that I used to rock it? Like You still rock it now? No, that's fine. No, 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 I don't. That's, Look, that's there- just dad apparel. <laughs> there are so many. I'm going to go with the baggy below knee denim shorts. <laughs> yeah. that's That wasn't a great one. Um, great for any Christian pastors over the age of about 60. Absolutely. I, I was going through like this Jay-Z, early Rockefeller, 2003. Oh, oh gross. You, you know, you, yeah. you're starting to, In fact, I had a pair of Reebok G-Unit sneakers that went with them. It yeah. was, yeah, okay. it was- you, Ferocious. You, you're feeling me, Duncan? Well, for a white guy from the suburbs, yeah. there could not be a more contradictory outfit. Oozing G-Unit. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, I had a flat top haircut. That's not a faux pas. That's awesome. Is it? No, it's yeah. not. That's- if I had the kind of hair for a flat top, I think I would still have a flat top. I uh, used to rock a bum bag, aka fanny Yeah, bag, okay, that's not good. Uh, and used it to store stuff for years. <laughs> what did you put in your bum um, bag slash- I feel I- like whatever you're going to say, it's going to be illegal. No, it wasn't. It was I mean- like a pen and, you know, like- <laughs> There was, there was I, some I transformer pen. doll in there. Like, I mean, what, it, like, what age are you talking? Uh, well, I had a flat top, I reckon, 13, okay. 14. I used to get it in the school holidays because I went to a private school ah, and I hoped that it would I grow see. out by the time school got back. Yep. Um, yeah, so I always look, used to look forward to Christmas. I'm visualizing if this means anything to a listener. Guile from Street Fighter. That's that's what I'm, yes. I've got in my head. Yeah, yeah. and that was, that was one of the inspirations. I've, I'm sure it was. Sense. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a glorious flat top. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this week, talking about death. <sighs> the reason I don't like talking about death is I think about dying yeah. a lot. So I am totally fine with he- heaven concept. Yeah. Right. 100% on board with afterlife stuff, with Jesus, looking forward to it. Yep. I'm not looking forward to the process of dying. And I think that large in part is influenced by watching my dad pass away yep. very, very poorly. And I want to, with your permission, lean into that a little bit. Yeah, go as for it. As much as you're willing to share, what was that experience like for you? What yeah, I mean, how long has it been since your dad passed? 2016 is when he passed away. So, so I'll, what, we're in 2022. So, we're okay, still six years. It's actually more recent than I had remembered. Yeah, so 2013 we had moved back to Australia and dad had been diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. And so first bout of treatment went well. He went into remission for a couple of years and then came back with cancer was given, you know, a year or two to live and died six weeks later. Wow. And so it went rapidly downhill. 
Um, we had a fairly nasty encounter with a doctor. But what I, what I vividly remember is the last kind of two weeks, I just started doing breakfast radio. Yep. I was about six weeks into that gig, got the news that dad was on his last legs from mum and so flew up to Brisbane, which was where mum and dad were living at the time, spent some spent basically two weeks at the Martyr Hospital with a dad that was completely incoherent, yeah. um, barely alive on some crazy medications and very, very, very slowly dying of cancer. And that is the image, mm. unfortunately, that I have my father. Yeah. And so my sister remembers all the good stuff. I remember the last two weeks. I remember the day um, walking into the hospital with my daughter, uh, with my my sister, and Dad was staring at a picture of a you know the martyr is a Catholic hospital, so yep. there's a crucifix above the window. Dad's staring at that. He's heavy breathing. Um, he's clearly not conscious. Mum is praying over him mm-hmm. and singing to him. And then I left. Mum came home a couple of hours later and then we got the message that he had passed away mm. and I was I was like I'm so not dying like that yeah and in, in in honesty and transparency I have said multiple times to my wife and kids if I ever got the diagnosis I've got cancer yeah I want a subscription to marijuana online <laughs> and I want pain meds and I want to sail off into the sunset. Mm. I don't want to do treatments and because the complications that I saw him go through were horrendous Mm. and I think it shortened his life considerably. So just to be clear, um, you did not have this fixation on dying before seeing your dad like this wasn't something that was existing before that oh no i think i joking like i jokingly said to my wife this is the, this is the way that i want to die this is before you went through oh you yeah through with your dad yeah 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 so i think if i it, i really want a cool tombstone right <laughs> so that for me the obsession is the Man, tombstone you and I are so, different. <laughs> so i i i said to my wife listen i want to die, die like 56 I want to be rescuing orphans from Somali pirates. <laughs> I want the operation to go south, but the children to be rescued. And then I want my headstone. You're like Bruce Willis in Armageddon. It's like this, this you know, sacrificial lamb for the oh, greater good. Died on an asteroid <laughs> restaurant. I'm telling you, he has the best tombstone in all the movies. So what would it actually say? Here lies Duncan, who passed away valiantly rescuing orphans from somali pirates so specific he went out in a blaze of glory and took down four of them i feel like you're the kind of person that's actually going to engineer this happening for no the sake of the, for the sake of no the, Somal- the kids are, the kids are going to be you're going to be an empty nester you're going to be like look i'm just going on a short-term mission to somalia mate you do know. you remember that movie with um What's his name? Tom Far- Hanks. Tom Hanks. Yeah, Captain Phillips. Captain Phillips. Yeah. I literally watched that and I was like, here's how I'm going it's- down. <laughs> this is how I'm doing it. Okay. All right. Um, we haven't done the elephant scale yet. I think you've pretty much opened up. I'm, I'm hearing a high score here. Well, no, because I think I'm okay with heaven. I'm, mm. I'm really not okay with death. That's the thing. That with dying. Dying. Yeah. And I'm even less comfortable with growing old. Okay, so where does this place you out of 10? Where would you put yourself? I think in terms of thinking about it, it's an eight. Yeah, okay. I think a healthy theology of it is probably a three. Okay, 
Do you know? Like in the sense, like I, I don't want to be ninety, mm. right? I, I, I already feel my body breaking down, and and I think that's the thing that scares me most. There's a Ben Harper song, a song that says, "What well, I'm, I'm less afraid of dying than I am of growing old," mm. and I'm like, that resonates with me so much. Because here's the thing, and here's why I think this is an elephant. We in the West, we don't, we don't talk about it, and short of your own story with your dad. I would imagine that you would not have seen anything like that until you went through it as a as an immediate family member. Oh god, mate, I had no fr- I, I stepped out of preaching for almost 18 months mm. and any form of pastoral leadership. I was like, nope, I'm just need to sit with this yep. and figure out where I stand. I don't want to get up and give a sermon on how much I love Jesus because I'm not there right now. Mm. Um, I, I never doubted that God was in the room. I never doubted in the goodness of Jesus, but I was like, I just don't want to lead people Mm. in any way, shape or form spiritually. I just need to sit and be nurtured. Cause what's interesting about your story and I, I've been through it with grandparents, but I have not been through it to the extent that you have. So I'll, I'll caveat that way. I'm kind of the opposite in that I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm high on the elephant scale. I'll call it a seven. Um, but I'm the opposite. I've not really thought about the process of dying or the brutality of that. I think about what happens after it and do I have enough faith to get psyched for that? And I, and I feel bad for saying it. Like I feel bad for, I, I thoroughly believe in Jesus. I thoroughly believe in his resurrection. I just find it incredibly difficult to visualize the goodness of it. And, and what that means for me is I live my life day to day trying to milk these or not these last milk these 80 years for all they're worth or however long I get and I'm I'm conscious that I don't actually believe that I'm going to get another shot at it and that messes with me okay so this is really fascinating because I am 10 out of 10 pumped for heaven yeah I'm just not and you sound like you're like one out of 10 I'm I yeah I'm not pumped I I have to choose to believe like what I have to do is look at Christ on the cross and go, all right, God is a heavenly father who has clearly lavished his love on me. So whatever it's going to look like, whatever it's going to be, I have to just trust that he's got it, but it's a choice that I have to make on an emotional level. I am not there on a spiritual level. I, I choose to believe that. And I do believe that, but getting psyched for it. No. So do you like? Do you read like C.S. Lewis's The Silver Chair and just go, yeah, okay, <laughs> <I'll> t- <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, like grass blades going through yeah, my feet, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. no big deal, okay. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I wish I was there. You know, I personal story. I I became a Christian because I was scared of dying. I was twelve years old. I'd grown up in a Christian home. Yeah, I'd been given this framework that you cannot change the concept of eternity but you can change where you spend it. And so the concept of eternity, literally I would go to bed in tears, not being able to um, get this notion out of my head that I would always exist in some form. And it still freaks me out to a degree, but my process of logic as a 12-year-old was, well, if I can't choose the concept of eternity, at least I can choose the good one. And that's how I became a Christian. And I still stand by that. I've had people ridicule that reason for coming to faith no, no, before. no. Because you don't have Jesus, you don't understand the gospel, you don't know what forgiveness is, whatever. As a 12-year-old, I just didn't want to go to hell, so I became a Christian. Mate, you like Southern Baptist. 
This is like millions of Southern Baptists who have been converted by the turn or burn yep. sermon. Yep. And the thought of hell being so bad mm. had won them to heaven. Yeah. And that's, mate, that's fine. Yeah. So it's interesting. You'd fit in well in North America. <laughs> You'd be great. Can you tell Lara that? Because I've been trying to get her to move there for years and she, anyway, that's a different conversation. It's a different conversation. Um, yeah. Look, so it's interesting. You and I are, are having similar wrestles, but at different points in the process. Your thing is about dying, my thing is about. What happens after you die? Okay, well let's let's talk through the thing that happens after you die. Okay, where where do we want to start with this? Yeah, look, theologians go to town on this. You and I have studied theology. I did a, you probably did it too. I think you have to do a specific subject on. They call it eschatology, so yep. end times and afterlife. Yep. Look, I came away with more questions than answers when I did that subject, and and I think that's kind of the point. There there is an abstractness to it, but. The Bible gives hints. I'm not willing to say that I 100% am willing to to state my claim on any one of these. I have thoughts. Um, but yeah, look, there's, there's a few thoughts. If you've never looked at this biblically, what we're talking about are, broadly speaking, two main thoughts, one being soul sleep and one being intermediate state. Okay. Now... Let's look at this through the framework of Scripture. Yeah, There's three crosses. Jesus sits on one mm-hmm. and there are two people flanked either side of him. One of them, he says to, to them, uh, today you will be with me in paradise. Right. So the key word being there, today. Today. This instant. Mm-hmm. So the idea being that this individual passes away with Jesus and will find himself in paradise. Today. Today. How do you see that through two different perspectives? Because let's talk about um, the first perspective, which seems to, I think, fit more comfortably with this statement, um, intermediate state, mm-hmm. right? Which is the idea that this individual passes away and that there is a spiritual heaven yep. because Jesus has not passed away yet. Yeah exists for one of a better term up in the sky yeah which you see that's not just a cultural thing you see that in acts chapter one yep. when jesus ascends and the clouds and the angels say why are you looking for him he's he's, he's gone he's coming back but he's, he's gone now he's he's up he's up in heaven yeah right which is where we get that kind of yeah. idea up in heaven yeah yeah that's where kind of the harps and the clouds and the angels thing comes from so there's this non-corporeal <laughs> realm yep where all these saints are now existing in paradise yep. with Jesus. The illusions here are it's a good place. Yep. It's a positive place, but it's not final form. I love that. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it, it's definitely a positive place, but it's not its final, it's not the final reality. It's an inter, as the word suggests, it's an intermediate state. It is conscious. It is with Jesus. It is in the spiritual realm, but you're not, you haven't, received your resurrection body yet yeah because what we're what we're awaiting is jesus's triumphant return yeah and then the recreation of all things yeah um to its perfection yeah so that's we now overlay that with revelation 21 being the famous passage so yes when jesus ascends the angels say say he will come back from where he from where he departed this is where a lot of our jerusalem kind of theology and even politics starts to get a bit yeah bit bit hairy um we won't go down that for now but the point is um there is an intermediate spiritual state when jesus decides to return whenever that is all of those people with him in that intermediate state will come down from that heaven 
to this earth and this earth will be the final the final heaven and we will have new resurrected bodies and and people disagree about this there'll be some level of continuation between what we know of this world and the redeemed perfect new creation world in other words we don't go up to heaven heaven comes down to earth Love it. Bill yeah. Johnson is very excited for you. Right. So this this really helped me with my fear of the afterlife because what it what it helped me do was to um, visualize some level of what that new creation would be. That the idea that it's this life but without the crap of this life mm. and this world without the the brokenness of this world, I can start to get psyched for that. Now, I'm not. 100% saying that is definitely what will happen. I Like at the end of the day, I haven't died, right? Yeah, sure. I need to be humble about this. But if I was to say, yeah, this is where I'm leaning towards, I, I go for that intermediate state and, and final um, physical resurrection. And I will have a level of continuation where, you know, I will recognize Sydney in the new creation or I will recognize North America and whatever it, it will just be in its redeemed, perfected form. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so then the other one is soul sleep. Yeah. I don't think I'd describe soul sleep the same the way you do. So the idea of soul sleep is an individual passes away yep. and then for whatever the length of time is between when that individual passes away and when Jesus returns to earth, yep. they are in this stasis sleep for want of a better term right yeah. han solo frozen in <laughs> carbonite i love it right i love it thought out <laughs> walt disney cryogenic <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> a little bit wet a little bit moist <laughs> and they they uh they re kind of awaken yeah with the sense that no time has passed yeah so they don't know they've been frozen in the han solo whatever that stuff is Right, and and so the idea then is is that for that individual who was on the cross, yep. when they awaken in paradise, whatever the length of time is they've been asleep, they don't know. Yep. They awaken to Jesus's triumphant return, yep. and the experience they have is that recreated yep. paradise here on earth. Yeah, really? yeah, exactly. So they might have been dead for fifteen hundred years, but for them, it's it's a blink of an eye. It's instant, and so therefore they still awake today in paradise. Yep. Right, and and we get this idea biblically. You know, this Paul regularly talks about death in the context of of falling asleep. So this is not entirely unmerited. Yep, there is a notion here that, and and overlaid that with all of it. You know, for God, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. So time as a concept for God and for us is on a different plane. I think we have to acknowledge that. So is it possible for 1500 of our years to pass but for someone it'd be like a blink of an eye yeah absolutely if i look at the biblical weight of evidence i'm not as much on board if i had to really decide one way or another but but that is the notion that the person doesn't know they're asleep they're not in any agony they're just resting and waiting and for them it will be immediate consciousness i'm okay with both yeah I'm struggling to see where you get so stressed out about all of oh, this. Oh, it's just the tangibility of it. It's Do you know what? Okay, I'll tell you what it is. How do I visualize something? And I'm, <laughs> I'm about to say something that's probably flawed. I'm going to wake up every day and maybe it's not even like that. Maybe it's not even like days. It's, it's the concept of time. How do I wake up every day 
for eternity and go, let's do this again. So mm. maybe, maybe, and people have really, and this has messed with me. People have counseled me on this and they've said to me, you need to leave room for the fact that time will not operate the same way. And, yeah. And that, that helps me. It doesn't completely get me psyched, but it does help me. So I run everything through this perfection of learning. I, th- I think one of the things I love to do is just learn, right? Just understand stuff. Mm. And one of the challenges is, is your brain changes the way that it stores information and stain- changes the you know pliability, um, the ability for innovation shifts. And so I look at it like, jiu-jitsu right that's a sport brazilian jiu-jitsu is a sport i've been doing for 16 years i've forgotten half the stuff i've learned yeah is the idea of perfection of learning like mm. re- retention of that knowledge is one of the extraordinary extraordinary things that i look forward to right is that the tension that i hold is the brevity of life mm. the things that i i want to do mm. i'm probably not going to have the time to do all of them yeah whereas in heaven there is no brevity. Yeah. There is only longevity and eternity. And so therefore I have the, like the thing that scares me most is patience. Mm. Right. (laughs) So I get this great joy of, I could spend a thousand years on jujitsu. I actually, you know, I've heard people say that and I've heard it put another way. Um, Jeff Bethke and John Mark Comer talk about this in their podcast about, um, you're going to have unfinished business no matter what. How good is that? And that really speaks to me because you know me. You know, I've got a yeah. thousand side hustles. Sure. I've got analysis paralysis. There's all these things I want to do and not enough time to do them. The idea that, hey, maybe I will have enough time to do them. All right, I can get down for that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of my biggest struggles as a pastor is sitting still with Jesus. You know, right. like I was saying to a friend the other day, one of our leadership team, oh, man, I took 15, 20 minutes just to sit down with God. He's just laughed at me. He's like, it's not long enough. <laughs> what you were saying it because it was so, you know, luxurious to spend For that me, time. Yeah. yeah, let's just stop and yeah. pause. And because I feel so bad, there's so much other stuff that I could be doing yeah. that finding that space to do that. And I think I long for just a thousand years on a mountaintop in prayer. Let's talk about that. You, you've touched on something, you know, we believe in eternity, right? Yeah. So we believe in this 80 to 100 year max, as C.S. Lewis calls it, cover of the book. Yep. Title page, however he describes it. And then the real story will begin after that. Sure. So my question is, and, and I think this is something I really want to hear us talk more about in the church. What does it actually functionally mean to live in light of that reality? Like, if we really believed in eternity, like on the one hand, we can be so consumed by that that we go, oh, I have to, I have to evangelize, I have to evangelize. You know, like I, every day I have to milk for the mission of God. But I, I feel like that is not most of our default starting position. Most of our sure. default starting position is I have to do the same as everybody else. I have to just get on with it. I have to buy my house. I have to retire. I have to, you know, superannuation, whatever. Like where's that healthy balance of acknowledging that? And I think about it this way. I'm at a sporting event. There's 100,000 people. We are all going to be dead in 100 years. Yeah. Like that messes with me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, how do we think of time and life and energy and priorities now 
given that we are all going to be dead before long? Uh, well, I think it has shifted. So mm. I think uh, scripture, we see this kind of apostolic movement where it's the expansion of the good news of Jesus at all costs, yep. right? So, you know, a couple of podcasts back, you were talking about the idea of selling everything and giving to all those in need yeah. is an individual who is living heaven focused. Yeah. I think somewhere along the lines, we lost some of that drive and impetus to be bold yep. in living in light of heaven. Why? How did that happen? Well, because he didn't come back as quick as we hoped. <laughs> yes. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. is that not like if... Yeah, if, and this, you see this in Thessalonians. It's that kind of disappointment that oh, why why we have to like back go yet? back to work and like get on with it. Yeah. And so I think you've got to li live with that tension of, mm. okay, well, I should take every opportunity to share the love of Jesus at all times. But I also probably have a work job to do. Yep. Um. Probably most Christians are betting on Jesus not coming back tomorrow. Sure. Um, Which I think is right. That's the healthier way to live. Um, and so as a result of that, you just feel like you got more time in the pocket of that front cover of the book yep. to be distracted by other things. Yep. And so um, I think that's probably where we're playing from. Mm. Not, not, the early church forefathers are not operating in that space. Yep. There is an imminent return of Jesus that they are operating in. And I think we are we are operating in the um, serendipitous, unexpected thief in the night returning, mm -hmm. right? So are you saying we need to swing it back a little bit? I think you've got to run everything through the lens of heaven, right? Like, so, like, surely parenting should be done in such a way that we are raising our ch children with the excitement of Jesus. Mm. And so that is sowing into a legacy, right? Yeah. That's sowing into heaven. Um, having a fair weighted expectation that those things that you possess are not really yours, they're on long term leases. And you will re either give them to your children. Yeah. You didn't do anything to deserve them. Oh, little snots. <laughs> giving you nothing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lesson in <laughs> grace. And I'm going to Bill Gates you. Oh, I'm, you're you're no. getting nothing. Stop. Stop. That's brutal. <laughs> um, uh, that, that I think is you can run that through the lens of it's not mine. Yeah. I'm going to use it to glorify God. I'm going to use that to build community. I'm going to use that to lavish hospitality. Mm. Um, and I think you see evidence of that in early New Testament church, right? Like we don't have a synagogue, um, mm. so we're going to meet in people's homes. And yeah. I'm guessing those homes are really nice homes mm. owned by the richer people in the community who said, you know what we can do is be lavish in our hospitality. Yeah. This is not ours anymore. So I think there's a whole bunch of different elements that you, you pick anything, run that through the lens of heaven and say, how do I live this with eternity in mind? Yeah, I think that's right. And it's one of those ones where I think the middle ground is is the truth and we swing the pendulum between becoming so gripped with eternity that we don't live in the present or become so anesthetized or ignorant to the concept of eternity. And I would overlay that with what we were saying before about we hide death socially I was talking to a friend who was in yeah. Myanmar and there was just a body just running down the river just for all to see. 
And that would never happen in the West. You know, so we we don't see it. We 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 hide it. Uh, we professionalize it, and it means that we don't functionally believe it's true until it's our turn, or we've seen it with someone very close to us. And I think that's a, that's a bit of a problem. Yeah, I mean, my biggest for us, I, I want it. I want to die clinically well. Mm. I don't know how to say that, but we you have Christians being burnt at the stake and fed to lions mm. and um, dipped in oil, mm. right? This is, this is all your early church different ways to die. Yep. And I go clinically, I don't like any of those options. <laughs> Fair enough. You, you do you know? Yep. I, I think I want... You do like a bit of theatre though. I reckon I, part, part of you... Theatre is no problem... <laughs> It's the pain, right? Sure. Like I need quick and instantaneous yep. because I think that's how we've conditioned ourselves for the most part is how, how do we how do we die really, really well? Yeah. And I don't think we have permission to request to die really, really well. Well, and we've we've there will be another episode on this, I'm sure, about assisted dying and euthanasia. Sure. And yeah, there's there's a lot to be said there. Yeah, and and that's where I think I have the greatest challenge is that my you know my request into the Lord yep. is just you know um, my last breath here and my first with you might be a really peaceful transition in the middle of the night yep. where I just don't see myself going. Yeah, I don't know if I've got permission to ask that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right, like if if I'm living for Jesus 100%, then I just need to be okay. It might be a really terrible death. Yep, but it's in his time. And I'm not comfortable with any of that. Yeah. I'm not happy about it at all. <laughs> Take it up with the big man. Well, I'm just, you know, I'm trying no, to be I honest. Love it. No, and, and similarly, I feel sheepish for saying I'm not psyched for heaven, you know, but that's just the real. I'm getting increasingly psyched as I get older, but I'm not, I don't think I'm ever going to be, like I'm going to be a mess when I'm dying, like emotional. I'm going to need a pastor holding my hand saying the good shepherd will lead you into green pastures because I think I will be freaking out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen it differently as a pastor. It, I, I see a lot of anxiety and I've been with people as they're dying. There's there's anxiety in the days leading up and then in the final kind of day moments, there is this piece. I suppose it's the stages of grief stuff and eventually there is, you might say negatively, resignation or positively a sense of, of, of peace? I am. Um, my uncle died at 103. Whoa. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, in, 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 extraordinary story. Um, but I remember going and visiting him, you know, like late 90s. Um, Still a spring chicken at that point. Oh, mate, I was like, you playing golf? He was like, <laughs> no, all my friends are dead. <laughs> it was, but there was like a very... I win. <laughs> matter of factness to yep. it. And so he's like, all the guys that I have to play golf with are all spring chickens. They're all 70, <laughs> which I laughed at. Yeah. But I get a sense too, because I find this with, um, uh, I'm saying kind of 75 plus within our church. Mm. They're all a lot more okay with funerals and stuff. I've got yeah. a funeral coming up and they just talk about it very matter of fact. I've, I find myself a wreck yep. leading into a funeral. Yep. You know, I, the first three months in the gig of senior senior pastor, I had a funeral to do mm. and it ruined me. Like yep. a, for a good month I was trying to get my head around how to do this well, panicky, like because humour is my thing. 
Right? What's the band I could? I'm the kind of guy that laughs at a funeral. Oh, that's, that's the line in the song. I'm like, what if I just brain fart <laughs> and you, crack a joke? You know, and you know what? You should be worried about that because you would do that. So it was a beautiful funeral, though. And this is what I, I found: is that there were jokes. So yes. he, uh, this individual um, lived a life um, as a as a beautiful Christian individual. Yep. Um, died tragically. But the stories were, it was that laugh cry. Mm. And it was like a really beautiful moment. And I, I walked away from that and I was like, if that's every funeral I have to do, mm. I'm so happy, mm. right? Like it's just, it was beautiful and the stories were great and people were laughing and then, you know, snot crying <laughs> at the same time. And I was like, I want all of that. And, and do you know what? I love that we have the biblical framework to have a license to do all of that. We are allowed to grieve and we are allowed to have hope. We're allowed to laugh. We don't need to be stoic. Like the Bible just gives us language for all of those emotions. Yeah. And if death is like a synthesizer of all of them and if a funeral is the event with which they all come out, I love that. I think that that's a beautiful response to the fact that death is is an intrusion and it is a post-fall reality. Mm. And at the same time, we also believe in a new creation. I, I think that's right. And I suppose that's why we need to talk about it. And that's why we need to normalize it because it is part of the human experience, but we can't hide behind it. And it would be a tragedy for the first time we really experienced the concept to be our own death. That that we, we're not prepared. We, we need to encounter it in some form before that. I think... It's one of the places as a belief, as a Christian with a, an eye on eternity, you kind of, if, you, if you're actually in a space where you're thinking about it, you can die really well. Yep. <laughs> I mean like emotionally. Well, I just, so there's a curiosity that I have where I go, um, if we if we have a healthy sense of eternity and the doorway through death by which we need to travel, mm. those final moments we can live really profoundly. What does that as mean? a testimony? What does, what does that look like? What are you talking about? So, so if we have an un so if we have an unhealthy obsession with death mm. because we don't know where we're going to go, then leaving this mortal realm would be a very uncomfortable panic ridden experience yeah right filled with fear and turmoil and anger and frustration and what was this all for all of those questions right if we leave well with a biblical concept then there is a piece about it yeah this is not my timing this is god's timing yeah what was this all for um, to borrow from the Presbyterians, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Mm. Um, you know, there's an expectation to be welcomed as a child, right? Son, daughter, you are returning to me. You know, the uh, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere, elsewhere, right? The idea that um, we're actually being invited to the VIP event, yeah. right? And so there is a joyous anticipation of passing because it means that we finally get to go to the party that we've been longing for for so long and i think that what we're saying is that if 
if if we don't have that joy and we don't have that expectation, um, then we're probably not going to die well. Mm. It makes me think as you speak, though, outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Yeah, and this is this is the tension we bring into yeah. it. And am I like this? Is, this is the thing that I say in a church, right? Is that we have this kind of linear expectation of um, growing in our love of Jesus, but it doesn't work like that. Like, there's it's a garden path, and it winds and it curves. And so, when you look at it, you got to say to yourself, you know, as a believer, have I grown in a deeper affection for Jesus now than I did a decade ago? Yeah. Because there's peaks and valleys within that decade. And so if you're looking day to day and saying, how have I grown today? Then you've got this linear expectation of growth. And I don't think that's a, a real and fair expectation. I can say in 2016, when dad passed away, I was rocked by the notion of death mm. and the brevity of life, yep. how short it is. And so everything got put into um, fast forward yeah. for, for me. And so now everything I'm doing is driven by that perspective. And it completely reshifted my focus on this conversation and probably made, made me much more aware. And we've got friends who have likewise lost, um, you know, fathers and mothers. Yep. Some too, too early. Too early. Yep. And you just, you've got a real deep awareness of the pain of that loss. But, you know, and all the things that were unreconciled have now been reconciled in Christ. Yeah. And I don't have the answers for all of it. Well, I was going to say, and I think, you know, as we begin to wrap up, like I, I think this conversation has ministered to me, to be honest, but I want to ask you first, like what has this conversation done for your for your processing of what you've been through? Oh, I don't like it. I, I still don't I, like I it. I have hated every part of this <laughs> podcast. No, no, it, it, but it's, it's forced me to talk about stuff that I need to talk about. Yeah. Okay, because there's... I watched like an African funeral where there's a great sense of joy. Yeah. They're no longer here. They've gone to be with, yeah. you know, and there's, there's a real beauty in that. And I'm like, oh, I'm not there yet. And I see, it's funny, my version of that is like the Middle Eastern, like wailing, ripping of clothes, you know. And, and part of me goes, that's totally right. You know, but either yep. way, like in our tradition, we don't really do either on, you know, in a magnified form. We kind of yell into a pillow and try and make it all okay. And I think it hurts us in the long runs and we need to talk about it more. We need to deal with the reality of it more and live in light of it more. So I think this is an important conversation. All right. Well, I'm not going to say I've moved anywhere on my dead elephant scale. I think I I have actually. Oh, okay. I think you have helped me. Look, I'm not going to be – I still wouldn't say I'm psyched. Yeah. But the thought of like continuing on the things that I wasn't able to do in this life, man, that's that's a pretty cool concept. I'll take – I'll book in in heaven six years with you and we can sit down with, with whatever the... It's gr- heaven. I don't want to spend six years with you. No, you got I'm, it. I'm, dude, I'm going to be with like <laughs> the greats of the... I'm gonna, Duncan, it's been great. I'm off to talk to Moses now. Oh, how good would that be? <laughs> All right, that's it for another Dead Elephants podcast. We'll catch you again next week, eh? We will. <laughs>